What's going on, hustlers? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hustle Lounge podcast. Starring Graham Hustle and Hustle Gang Chris. Welcome to another episode of It's Just Pennies. This is the Stock Whisperer. Before you enjoy today's episode, let me just state this. I am not a financial advisor, so if you're looking for financial advice, please seek an investment professional. The episode that you're about to hear is strictly for educational and informational purposes only. Hello, OTCers. Today's guest is a young business owner, entrepreneur, while still working and serving and impacting the community around the world. I've watched uh, several live sessions as he delivers financial gems on investment literacy. I'd like to welcome Graham, also a business owner of Hustle Smart LLC. What's going on, everybody? Happy to be here. Like you said, Graham, owner of Hustle Smarter LLC. While we're here, I do want to say a partial owner. I do have a business partner, my brother, Chris. Shout out to Chris. So, yep, don't, don't want to give, just definitely want to give him his, 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 his credit. But yes, sir, we're here. We're happy to be here, too. <laughs> Appreciate you coming on, man. And I know you're a man who value time and time is precious to use. And we're going to talk about a number of things. So my first question really is, and it's in line with your business and what you do, why do you think the perception, and in some cases, it's a reality, right, that when it comes to financial literacy, speaking about credit or even investing in stocks, it's, it, it really isn't a topic in minorities or lower class homes? Uh, so, so for me, I mean, it, we could talk for hours on that one. Uh -huh. But for, for that one specific, I would definitely say because of our generation and our culture and what we're accustomed to, uh, we believe that rich and wealth is, is fast and flashy, you know, NFL, NBA, or, you know, uh, legal activities. So we always get caught up in that. I'm going to be a millionaire overnight. We, we don't realize the true wealth building process and, and really building wealth in a sense is not flashy. It's not flashy. It's not sexy. It's not appealing because it is a slow, long process, but it's a process that can benefit not only yourself, but your next generation and your generation and generation afterwards. And I believe that's the biggest issue. And it's just it's not nothing cool to talk about. And another another reason I do believe that it's not a normal topic in the black households or in the minority households is due to the impact it has on someone's feelings. Right. When you start bringing up money and money conversations, the first thing people get defensive. I'm good. I don't need no help with my money. Everything's OK. So it's definitely a pride factor. And I think that's the biggest issue. So once we get past the pride factor, and once we realize it's OK to not know certain things about money, I believe it will become a more common topic households. And so I'm going to ask you, in regards to your, your personal, I guess, growing up, how was the topic discussed with you or was it even discussed at all when you was growing up? Yeah. So when we was growing up, my dad, my dad is very, uh, <laughs> he reminds me of the dad off of the That's So Chris Show or the Chris Rock Show, where he was very tight with his money. So my dad kind of gave me the game as a youngin, and in their time frame, in their generation, you work hard, you own a couple of businesses if that's your choice, but you work hard, you put your money in your 401k, you pay yourself first, meaning if you have your own little savings account or whatever. And then, you know, at 65, you retire and, you know, your money should have grown in the 401k and your personal savings. That's how I was always taught. Basically, you traded in your time for money. You're working hard and we worked hard as a kid. I do appreciate the work ethic that was instilled in me, but I believe that now because the way I've learned and things have evolved that I can use that same work ethic and still buy my time back. 
And so staying on that topic, when you when you speak about your dad and, and, and working hard and then telling you to like put your money away, was that like a, a common discussion in the household or is it was it more as he like you got older? You know, it was more um, growing up in the house. It was just the, the the common. It wasn't a common topic where we necessarily elaborated on it, but it was more so. You got paid. So I used to do construction work with him. Anything he had going on, I was right there by his side. Didn't really have a choice, but he did overpay me. But he would make sure every time I get paid, even when I, he basically taught the saving process. OK, I gave you, you know, 40 bucks. Give me back at least 10 bucks to save for you. And that's what I was taught, the saving portion of I got paid. Let me pay myself first and put some money up and then keep rolling. Uh-huh. But it was never that next step of what goes after that. And why do you think? Even though he was taking those steps as far as what goes after that, why you why you gonna think like that was the topic? Because I think that's the part right that most communities are missing is what's next. From I guess a personal standpoint, I can even attest to it. But just working and you know being out there and then speaking with the youth, that part really isn't talked about. Everybody knows, hey, you need to grow up, work hard, put in the work, but no one talks about that next part of like the investing, right? The that part. I would definitely uh, say that we will go 50-50. I would say partially, maybe they didn't know and, and they didn't understand. You know, talking to my dad, I, my dad and his generation in the you know, 50s, 60s, they were more so, I mean, I'm, I'm his son and he's, I still don't necessarily know what he holds far as stocks, investments and everything. Literally, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I finally got him to talk about the stock market and it's conservative. We were taught to be conservative or, or our parents were taught to be conservative. Like we were just were trained to work, go to work every day, 401k, save some money, maybe every now and then take a family vacation. And that was the the golden key to the middle class family from when they were growing up. That was their only goal. So I would definitely say maybe they didn't get the proper education or they didn't know. Um, because even when I talk to my dad about certain topics now and we're talking about real estate and different investments, he always brings in the risk factor. Uh, when I was talking about renting out properties, he was saying, hey, what if somebody tear your stuff up? And, and so now it's to the point now where I'm at, dad, well, what if they don't? Yeah. <laughs> this, <laughs> you know, he he definitely tells me everything that can go wrong. And just now due to my education, due to me being around a different variety of people. And I would definitely say my diversity helped leaving the house, joining the, the military and, and traveling the world and meeting people from all walks of life. Everybody has a different impact. But I can tell you now, anybody from the South, Carolina and down, maybe worldwide but i know for the south we was just taught hey run your business put your money in your 401k when you get a break from work you're two weeks in you know take a family vacation but keep going don't never stop working i mean that's pretty much the story as far as uh, me growing up too as far as that was was preached early on so would you say as you you know you're serving in the military and, and based on what you do plus going through what you have went through would you say like the the lack of communication motivated you to start your own business and even get educated about financial investing, business and credit? Yes, for sure. Um, coming in, you know, small town kid from South Carolina, I could, you know, not to go too in debt, but I started investing in certain avenues they have in the Air Force. And it was just more so what my dad taught me, pay yourself first at a minimum 10 to 15 percent once you get paid. And I was investing, but I would always ask questions to some of the older guys. And some of these guys now are in your earlier, late 40s, early 50s. And they still had that mindset of, I won't say gatekeepers, that might be the wrong term, but maybe they didn't know how to communicate what they were doing. And they made it seem like investing in stocks was a secret. 
And it kind of turned me off because I'm 18 years old. And I'm like, hey, what do I need to do to set myself up? And they're like, all right, we'll invest in such and such. And I would always ask the follow up question because it is our money. Even if it's one hundred dollars a month or one thousand, why should I invest in that? Or what what is the return or what should I look forward to? If you ain't invested in it, then you're stupid. And once they would say that or, or say terms of that nature, I would shut down because I was like, hey, man, I'm trying to ask a question to better myself. And I would try to read up on it. But sometimes certain things I think need, it is easier said than done. And, and then when I as I've gotten as I grew older in the Air Force, I met other people who were in the Air Force. And we're talking young, not minorities, more so the majority. And they're coming into the Air Force, brand new, $20,000 in the bank, no car note. And I'm like, hey, how did you do that? Oh, I worked before I came and my parents taught me this, this, that, and the third. And basically, I'm only using the Air Force for bling, bang, bang. And I'm like, wow, I wasn't taught that. You know, I was taught to do my 20 and then find another job after this and do another 20. Um, so I, it's, a, it's a lack of education and it's a lack of, I would definitely say the risk factor. We're, we're basically taught to be conservative. And I think that's what has stuck in the brain of the culture is to be conservative and growing up in the Air Force. And, and I believe that what really opened up my eyes was seeing people with real money. And when I say real money, real wealth is that they actually had things going on. They had passive income. They had everything that we don't necessarily talk about in the community because growing up, I wanted a gold chain, a pair of Jordans and a nice old school vehicle that I made it. That was my mindset. And that's what I knew. But when I was able to branch out and I'm going to, you know, some of my buddies' houses and it's like, whoa, you live here? And and it's just it opened up my eyes because I was able to see it. And these were people who had real money. And that's when I would pick their brain like, hey, what? how? Like you're E6. How did you do? You know, and they would start talking about stocks, investing and broker. And they would just basically give me the game at the time they were giving it to me. I would definitely honestly say, you know, seven years ago, I wasn't really mature enough to receive it because I still was partially torn of. I want to do this and this and that so that I can have a, a statue, you know, the attention phase on Facebook. I want to look good with my clothes on. I want to be, you know, big baller shot caller, but not really realizing that's not what true wealth is. And I also think that when you're talking, I think some people get caught up in two things. One is they're just repeating what someone else told them. Right. So it's easier for me to say, man, you should buy if it comes to stocks, a blue chip stock, hold it for 20 years, then you're good. And then when you ask me why, I can either get defensive or I can say, well, it's been around a long time. And nine times out of 10, they're just repeating something, something someone else said. Or the other thing that's coming to mind is for some reason, we tend to hold on to information. Like, <laughs> like we, we can't, <laughs> we can't pass it out of fear of like someone being better than us. And it's like, bruh, at the end of the day, I want you to be a better investor than me. I want you to, you know, do better, especially when there's that gap. Like you said, you're like, I'm 18, they're 45. You know, they should have been trying to pass you every gym, educate you on that, especially when most 18 years come in, they're trying to get money and kick it. And then you get those one or two people that are like, hey, man, how did you get to this point? What should I be doing? And they have that interest. He could have, he, he, in a way, delayed your trajectory because like you said you were turned off you yes, know yeah. and and then it goes to that point of you being turned off and now you like you're doing your thing and then you you're starting to figure out things and you find your way and then you you know we cross paths you know which yes which leads to the next question pretty much is like what made you start like liking investing right and then just liking it take a more passion around in financial literacy? I would definitely tell you along the, the path of my, my time of my lifetime, I started to, I would say, be embarrassed with my financial situation. And, and for my mindset was I left my home, you know, to join the military to 
get a better life. And I felt that I was still stuck in the same race that everyone else was back home, trying to be better than the next person. Just the, the stuff that our culture suffers from. I want the latest car. I want the latest shoes. I want to look a certain way, whatever. But I would tell you that from 2012-ish to 2017, uh, I've been, you know, me and my wife at the time of boyfriend and girlfriend, I, I did the math and I'll run it back and make it all make sense. But I did the math afterwards. So from 2012 to 2017, I was doing my military job. I was doing uh, heating and air conditioning on the side, which is what my trade is. And my wife had her job. And we were averaging, you know, nine to $10,000 a month coming in income, nine to $10,000 a month. But we were spending probably $11,000 a month. So <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make sense then at that point. I was living it up, you know, big ball of shot caller. Every time I, I was working, I was working. I was working about 80 hours a week, 40 hours on my real job, 40 hours on my side job. So I was never necessarily home. I was getting to it because I was doing what I was taught. Work, 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 get paid. So every time I did get a break from working, say we didn't have a weekend where we were doing installation on new construction, I'm going to drive to Dallas. I play for the Cowboys this weekend. We're going to have a booth section. Everything's on me. I saw, you know, and I was having those moments. I would say that I wish I knew what I knew now then, but then I don't because I don't feel like I missed anything now that I've matured out of it. And then we flash forward to 2017. Now I have orders to Ohio. My wife doesn't have that job. She was making all that money at anymore. It's just one income coming in. We're trying to buy a house and all these things started accumulating. And it was like, man. And then I think the icing on the cake was I was still spending like I was having that money coming in, but I was having not even half of it coming in anymore. So I'm dipping in my savings, dipping in my savings, dipping in my savings. Before you know it, the savings is, is, is looking real bad. There's nothing there because I've been using it to still try to keep the lifestyle that I was used to going. So when I realized that, it was like, hey, one or two things has to happen. Well, for sure, I have to either cut down on my lifestyle and two, I need to have the income to support my lifestyle. And then that's when I remember, hey, let me call, you know, my boy, you know, when we met and everything and when you first told me about investing in stocks and everything, I heard you. I listened to you. I, I did what you said, but I was embarrassed when not to you, but to myself, when I could not put what I really wanted to put into the stock market because I realized how broke I really was. I looked good on the surface. On the surface, <laughs> I looked good. <laughs> and, and I always use the term flashy broke. I mean, I looked it great. But when you was like, hey, this is what you should start with. I'm like, dang. That's, I got to start with $1,500? Like, whoa. And it wasn't, <laughs> looking back on it, it was like, man, that should have been nothing with all the money that I had made throughout the years. And when I first started with, with you, when you told me about it, kind of gave me the game. I was in it, but I was too emotional with it because I was looking at it as a way to bail me out. Because at this time, by this time, a couple months have passed. If I wasn't using my savings, I was supplementing with credit. And, you know, at this time, at this moment, I I didn't have, you know, I'm paying the minimum payments because that's all I really had. Now I'm building a hole in debt and I'm thinking that the market is going to bail me out and it didn't bail me out. And it's like, hold on. Now I need to backtrack and really dig into the basics. And that's when I kind of got really into it. I'll say 2014, I was looking into it by 2017, 18. I was like, yo, this has to change. And it's like, I got to learn the basics of money first because investing should be more fun and it's not going to bail me out. It's not a, it's not a stimulus check. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think I was looking for the bailout. So I did take a break from 2018 to 2000, I would say 21, really. Even some of the group chats that you had already included me in, which now that I look back on it, that was just even an honor to be in those group chats with that group of people with that mindset. But I just wasn't ready because I'm looking at 
the plays you guys are making. I'm doing my due diligence, but I don't have the money to make that play because we know the market is up and down. If I make that play and it doesn't work out, I'm going to be like, man, I could have put that on the payment on the credit card. And so once I figured that part out, I kind of went just back to the basics. Let me see what's coming in. Let me see what's going out. And I started doing the budgeting thing and the budgeting really saved my life as far as financial go. And it's, I mean, and honestly, there's nothing wrong with that Ed, because there's, there were so many lessons that you, you really just spoke about. And the biggest thing is being able to self-assess. You know, yes. like some people, we get in these predicaments and it's always somebody else's fault. Right. But like, I, I just dropped a, I dropped a podcast today, July 7th. And on that podcast, it challenges people, one, to know your why and the ability to look in the mirror and, you know, reevaluate your trading health. What's your health and, and be able to self assess. Like, why are you, why are you investing? And it sounds like when, even when I introduced it to you, your first reason even jumping off that cliff. It was not a selfish reason, but a reason out of desperation, you know, yes, and, when you're, desperate. <laughs> and when you're trading out of desperation, you're emotional, you're, you're not thinking right. You're making investments using money you shouldn't even been using. Right. <laughs> and in all actuality, it should have been like, you know what? I'm a paper trade now. Why I figure out this stuff? Why I get my finances right versus I'm trading out of desperation and then some people have that, that bitter taste. Oh, I didn't work out for me. It's not for me. It's a scam, right? That's the first thing we do when something don't work. <laughs> it's always a scam, like, you know, whereas with you, even though you was like, Hey, I don't have the money to put in. I'm not getting, you know, I'm struggling somewhat. You self assess and it didn't turn you off, but you was like, you know what? I'm going to come back to it. And that matters too, because if we can't self assess and reevaluate our position, how can we grow? And it don't matter regardless of what financial position you are. You're in. Yeah. So I commend you. You gotta look in that mirror. Yeah, you gotta look in that mirror. And sometimes I and I'm rough on myself, man. So I don't even need nobody to tell me this. But and and it's just once again that leaving the house and actually seeing people with real money. You know, I have a crowd to where they're impressed by five hundred dollars and I have a crowd that's upset with they only have five thousand dollars. And it's kinda like pick your pick your poison. Which crowd do you want to hang around? Okay, I like the one who's mad that they only got ten thousand dollars to spend. Okay, well, let me emulate their moves or at least try to pick their brain and, and put my pride to the side. And I believe when I started the business and that's what helps me when I speak to people is that I am one of them. I'm not this guy in a suit and tie who just, you know, woke up to millions of dollars in the bank account and opened up business with it. No, I was that guy who was making a lot of money and spent more than what I was making. Crazy as that sounds, because when I tell people, like, hey, you know, at one time I was averaging. I don't even know the math. That's how much was coming in. Um I was averaging nine K, nine, ten thousand dollars a month, and I was spending more than that. And and they, they can't even fathom someone making ten thousand dollars a month, but I know for a fact I seen it. And I knew I was having at least fifteen hundred to two grand in my pocket for my HVAC business. And I'm like, yo, I used to always have money. Like money wasn't a thing, but I never held on to it and I didn't know how to make it grow. You know, even looking back now, I mean hindsight is twenty twenty. I wish I would have just at least saved more, at least at a minimum, but I was having too much fun. And at that age, it's only so long we can use the immaturity or age thing. I mean, I was 24. I started at 21. I left at like 26. But then I would run into another 24, 25 year old and they had their stuff together. And I'm like, whoa. And I would tell you the biggest thing that really changed my mindset. And and I'm I won't say that I'm good at manipulating my mind, but I manipulate my mind to make me work harder. As you said, with the self-assessment, me and my wife really got serious about, you know, wanting to have children. And I think that was the biggest scare to me. Like, hey, the way we're living right now, we look real good. 
But if we have a child and they need something, I got to wait till I get paid again. And it, and it just scared me, man. It scared it scared everything in me to say I got to wait till my next check to do something with my kid. And from there, I just flipped the switch and said I will not be that way. Yeah. And looking good and feeling good are two different things, too. Right. Because when you were saying like, hey, I'm we're making money, I'm buying this. I, I look I look clean. But then when you look, go back and look at your account. You're like, I'm spending more than I'm making. <laughs> Heck, I, I remember when I was young, you know, same way, like coming out in college and, you know, first few years out of college, man, I had everything. I was flashy. And then now, you know, you make so much money and you get that level of financial security. You start discovering the powers and knowing you, the power really and the satisfaction and gratification is more in knowing that you can buy, but you choose not to. Yes, right. that's, the, that's the that's the best feeling because you don't have to you don't have to necessarily put on the front and I and I believe too that's another thing with self assessment that I always tell my clients or anybody I'm helping family friends whatever it is let's let's be honest did you really buy that because you wanted it or did you want to get the likes and the attention on social media and I think once we and, it, and social media is a, is it's a new drug it's not new it's not it's not nothing that's been around so that's a problem that everybody has like. I want to get a nice car so I can stunt through the hood. Like, why? Why are you getting a nice car and spending all this money to drive through people who probably are not in the situation to to purchase that? That doesn't that doesn't mean anything. It looks good on the surface. You may have a a neighborhood superstar type personality and name, but what does that really mean in the grand scheme of your grandkids, grandkids being set up for life because of the moves that you made? And once I got out of that phase of, and it takes time, and I tell people all the time, it's not an easy process, but when you get to that point of I don't care of anyone's perception of me, I am who I am and the moves that I make are for me and my family, all my sacrifices, it changed your whole perspective. And like you said, now it feels good to know that I can necessarily I'm not, I ain't where I want to be just yet, but I can do what I want. And it's not necessarily a problem. I call it convenience fees. I like playing the convenience fee. I don't want to drive two hours to the airport to save $50 and then get the Uber. No, I want to fly right to the wherever we're going. And I want you, I want all of those things because I took those trips to where I didn't have enough money to do it the right way. And it just wasn't as fun as it should have been. Um, and I, I definitely believe I, I rather with, with money. And, and as we as we spoke before, it's more of a tool. It's not necessarily what people make it out to be. It's just a tool to increase your the way of life. And, and I want certain situations to become a, a inconvenience, but not an emergency. You know, like right now, my, my, my truck, I need to change the spark plugs, brakes, whatever. Probably going about $1,200 altogether. I, I don't want to spend it because I want to spend it on something else. But it's not an emergency. It's just I just need to go do it. And once you have that kind of security behind you, life just changes tremendously, at least for me. Again. Absolutely. And one thing, you better go change those spark plugs before that uh, <laughs> <laughs> stuff sparkling for real. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to get to it this weekend, man. I'm going to go ahead and do it and stop messing around. <laughs> <laughs> so give me your, you know, you already gave your branch out at your Air Force, what you do, your your business going. Why is it so important for you to pass this knowledge down, For especially now for free, right? When you have, there's so many people who are all of a sudden consultants and charging these large fees. Why is it more important for you to pass this information down? of uh, what you're going through or what you've seen and the knowledge that you have. So when the next person meets the 18-year-old ground, they're not turning them off. Yeah, just, just basically what you said, because we, we everybody becomes a an expert at something overnight and then they charge fees. And giving the game away for free, I, 
I think Jay-Z said, I don't want to quote the verse wrong, but I went through that so they don't have to go through that or something of that nature. I can't remember the exact verse, but it's something of that nature. Basically, I went through the hard part. I went through the money coming in and, and looking great for four to five years and really being broke. I went through all of that. And I'd rather you learn from my experience than you have you having to go through that because everybody doesn't have a situation to where they can make more money in their current position, you know. If we compare the military to the outside world, the little bit that I do know as I transition into being a recruiter and meeting people daily is some of these people working a job for 10 years and not even getting a 50 cent raise. My bailout was, hey, I go on a deployment or I'm going to get promoted real quick. And that kind of lit some of the fire for me to get promoted fast because I needed more money to bail myself out. But everybody doesn't have that opportunity. So for me, it was let me give back because I went through the pain already. And I don't I know the pains of, you know, driving home to your nice big house. And you you feel like and if I was to post it on the Internet, it would look like the American dream. But it really wasn't because I'm in the driveway and I'm contemplating like, man, how did I get this deep in debt and hold all these people, man? What am I doing? You know, and I don't want anyone to go through that pain, that anxiety. I had more anxiety and more so. Well, what if something break? I can't even fix it. And, <laughs> and and majority of the people that I, I was reaching out to when I was, you know, trying to figure out, is this really my calling was people with children. And I know they have more. I didn't have any children. I would say that would help me out a lot because I didn't have any kids at the time. So I was more it, it wasn't that bad. Can I feed me? Can my wife eat? We good. It wasn't a baby crying or a five year old wanting to play sports or, or anything of that nature. So that's real pressure. You know, the pressure I had was just figuring out what I did wrong. But I couldn't imagine that extra pressure with the baby looking at you because they want to go to summer camp and you don't have that two hundred dollars. in. So for me, that scared me to not be at that position and to give it back. And some people are not in a position to pay for the advice. And I had to understand that. Now, I did have a mind to where I wanted to charge a certain price. And so the only reason I was even thinking of charging a price on it was because I know me and maybe maybe it's just a thing is. When someone's paying for the service, they tend to execute. And when me and you talked a couple of weeks ago, you made so much sense behind it. Like, hey, whether you execute or not, it doesn't change what I have going on. So that's why I changed my mindset on that portion. Like, hey, I'm going to give you the game. It's up to you to execute. And then I look back at, you know, me and your relationship. You gave me the game at 18. I didn't execute. But and, and, and I can still talk about how many flaws I had during that time. But I know I still took some trips. I know I did, still did things that did not contribute to me building wealth and getting my life together to where that money could be spent on investing and actually making a better situation for myself. But if I would have paid you, let's say $500, I'm probably going to execute at that point. Cause like I done paid them 500. I need to pay attention to what's going on. But I think in our generation and what's going on right now, especially with COVID is people are seizing the opportunity. It's an opportunity right now. People are sitting at home all day. They have time to look at YouTube. They have time to do more. So they feel as if if I pay this much money, I'm going to be a millionaire overnight. And that is the that goes back to the vicious cycle of our culture. Nobody wants to listen like the stuff you give out on your channel, on this podcast. You're giving out so much advice with no no price on it. But nobody wants to listen to you because you're not charging for it. But then they'll go pay somebody five grand who's going to tell them probably half of what you're telling them. But they believe that if they listen to them, they're going to be a millionaire overnight. But they don't realize that they've already used five grand of their investment money to even pay to hear the talks. <laughs> <You know>? so- <laughs> yeah. And and my thing is, especially when it comes to stocks, I'm like, look, I'm a, I'm trading and investing regardless. Right. And I even said that to you. It's like 
So people offering me money, I mean, I'd rather you put that in stocks. I'd rather you learn the game, learn this stuff yourself, and then bring on someone else, you know? So yes. instead of you giving me that two grand, three grand, do me a favor. Take that three grand, learn the game, and invest it. And then if you feel like you feel like you owe me some, donate, right? You know, kids are hooping, playing ball in the, on a nonprofit team. There's there's back-to-school drives we're going to start doing. There's camps and other things. So it's like there's other ways to donate. But for me to be like, I'm charging two grand. You give me the two grand. Yeah, you might want to try harder and, you know, be like, I'm a I'm going to get it because you felt like you don't want your money to go to waste. But in my opinion, it's like you didn't lost out on two grand, you know. Maybe I had to start doing like, okay, I take the money and then once they start doing it, give it back to them for their own investment. Like now that you, you started it, here's, here's that money back, you know? Yes. Yep. And I think that's the big thing. Like you said, there is the, now I do believe in that, you know, and uh, we, we got a couple of things going on and, and I even watch how you move, man. It's so, it's such a blessing that I can't wait to send you that Rolex one day. Like, yo, appreciate that because you didn't charge me for the game. You told me, don't pay me, learn the game. And you're actually it, it, now. And I think the culture has to understand that if someone is charging you something, one, what gives them the what is their their resume? What is their credibility to say that they're worth paying for? And two, what is their end game? So you got all these cats out here talking about let's increase the culture. I want to see the culture do better. But you need to pay five thousand dollars starting out and then one hundred dollars a month. But well, do you really want to see the culture win? Because the people that I am, what I want to gravitate to and the people that I want to you know come to me is the ones that may not have the 5,000, they may only have 500, but I want to show them that they 500, it could be strong if they do right with it. And are you really for the coach? And I understand everybody has to get paid for their time. I do understand that part of it, but some of these prices is outrageous. And that's when I think they're starting to just become opportunists. Not saying they're not good at what they do or they're not, you know, telling or, or giving out good advice. But like you just said, you're hurting my buying power if I got to give you five grand. Yeah. You know, if I got <laughs> and, and, and five grand, if, if for everybody that's listening, then that that's not me just throwing out a number. There's people out there five to 10 grand to join their club where they're going to give you advice on how to invest. And, and me and you spoke on it that if I, if I, if I'm paying 10 grand a month, I just want to give you my buying power and I don't want to worry about it. I don't want to look at the market. I don't want to do nothing for 10 grand a month. I need you to make all my plays for me and make me a millionaire. I would pay for that, yeah. you know. But, <laughs> But I got to pay you 10 grand, go through your class, learn everything and still, you know, do the due diligence like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> What's the 10 grand for? <laughs> you know, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and so, of course, this is, uh, you know, investment and stock podcast. So let's go ahead and transition a little bit. Why is it? Why is now at this point in your life where you're at, you know, you got your business going, things are going good. Yeah. Like you said, you're living with people, many think it's the American dream. Why is it not important for you to invest and learn stocks for you? Not only you, just your family and your bloodline. The generational wealth portion and the other part of investing doesn't have a ceiling. There isn't a cap. There isn't a $500 a month, $5,000. There's not a cap on the numbers on it. There is a true no ceiling with it, you know, besides paying the tax man, but that's with anything. Um, but there's no ceiling on it. And it is something that allows you to buy your time back. I know I follow you, the penny stock gurus, and I get motivated and inspired when I see, especially in our community, because what majority of our parents were doing, they were working all day and we seen them on hopefully Saturdays, right? Or Sunday. And 
and they tired then, so they aggravated, right? Mm-hmm. But then when I see, I see you with the boys all the time, like you're highly involved in their life from teaching them to sports to whatever you're available. And then I look at the penny stock guru. He's always at the house. He's at his home gym. He's still doing his work at his computer, but he's with his daughter. Like for me, that's inspiration because that also helps our culture. So when I seen that, especially, you know, with, with the baby on the way, I'm like, I need to be in that position that, you know, I got eight years left in the military. When I retire, I want to be at home. I want to enjoy those years. And I don't want it to be a blur of work and me coming home and taking you to practice. I want to be there from the time you wake up to the time you're in and the investment in the stock market and just investments as a whole, not just the stock market, but the stock market specifically gives you that opportunity to buy back your time. And your penny stock grew posted the other day, like when he made his yearly salary in one day, he knew it was over. It was game over. And I'm like, whoa, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and and that's one day out of 365. I can't remember the math one. I know, you know, the the trading days throughout the year, but imagine doing that 10 times throughout the year, just 10 times, not even every day that a trading day is available, but your yearly salary and the average person makes what 40 grand a year, the average, you know, whatever, 40 grand, if you do 40 grand, 10 times, that's 400,000. So 10 trading days and you did 400,000. Why do you need to go to work and lose your time? <laughs> because if you made your yearly salary on Monday, that means you have the option to continue to trade or do anything throughout the rest of the week. You have Tuesday through the Sunday to just enjoy life. <laughs> you know, so when I seen that, I was like, I got to get a hold of that because that's very important. It's vital to it's vital to not only generational wealth, but it's vital to our time while we're on Earth. And you said something too. You're when you were going back, I'm like, man, you're the common mistake we have is we work, we work, we work, and we spend little time. We work to provide for home, but we're never at home. So we're providing for something that we don't even enjoy ourselves. And so when you think about investing, I know on my end, it's like, nah, we I gotta be able to enjoy, if not the same amount of time, more time. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. and we gotta flip that. Like it. Like the, the, it sounds cool, right? I work 80 hours a week. And then, but when you sit and I, and I broke that down today on the podcast, when you really sit and think about it, you're like, I was away from my house for 80 hours. And then I don't even take the time from driving back and forth, <laughs> right? The time you sleep, you like, I only really enjoy my fruits of my labor for maybe three hours out of the whole week. You know, and it's like, does that really make sense? And that was the vicious cycle that we are always so that and that's that's partially that's almost 80, 90 percent of why I wanted to start the business, because I want to stop that vicious cycle. Because if I look through all my pictures and my moments from 2012 to 17 with that 80 hour work week, I was bound to spend that much money because I was only off Friday, Saturday and Sunday, maybe six, seven times throughout the year. So it's like this is the only break I'm going to get because I got to go back to work. I'm going crazy. And then I'm spending way more than I should be spending in three days because I'm trying to make up for the time that I didn't have because I was working. And then I'm trying to ease the pain of knowing that I'm not going to come outside again for a while. And it was just a vicious cycle. <laughs> so it's like, and you don't realize it till later when you're sitting down. And, and, you know, even when I first got to Ohio, I was I was so, you know, programmed to work, work, work that I'm sitting at the house and I'm like, Yo, I got nothing to do. This is crazy. What's going on? <laughs> um, and then even with COVID, and I would say COVID was the biggest lesson, even though it was a traumatic experience for the world, it was still a lesson in life because uh, I think Marv Albert said it when he retired from broadcasting from the NBA last week. It was a retirement. It was a rehearsal for retirement because, you know, in the military, I checked in the stock. 
and I had no work. Everything closed down. I'm just sitting at the house collecting the check. And I'm like, this is what life is right here. And being 28, 29, doing that, not 75 waiting for the checks to come. And when I got that breath of, man, I could sit out and make all these checks. And then the investing was going crazy at that time due to the world events. I'm like, yo, I could really sit here and make this amount, this amount of money for these couple hours, not even a long day, but these couple hours, I can make this amount of money. And I'm still in my prime. Like I still can go out and play ball all day. I can go out and chase, you know, whatever you want to do. I'm like, this is the life, the, the 70 years old and, and then finally retiring and getting a check. Ah, that sound that's not appealing to me. I want to do this at about thirty-eight forty, where I can just hey, check coming in, and it's a check, check, not not no not no crumbs, a check coming in, and then with the investing, you can supplement it. Like I said, you can make your salary in a day, especially when you get good at it and know what you're doing. And it's like when it that really showed me. COVID was definitely, I would definitely say, a big lesson because I'm like, man, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> So when it when it comes to the, to the stocks, I know you said when you first started, you were trading out of desperation and being emotional. Is it safe to say that has changed now as you're I'm not going to say in a way you're restarting, but you're you're continuing this investment journey when it comes to stocks. Are you are you still facing those same challenges or have you you've grown from those lessons? No, I've definitely grown. And I would tell anyone that's listening, when you have your finances in order whether it's being 100% debt free or whatever you may be. Like I said, I'm totally debt free except my mortgage. Investing doesn't become a way out or a gamble anymore. It just becomes what it is, an investment. At one time I was gambling. I was just hoping that I hit a seven. If you, if you gamble, I was hoping I hit a seven, which would be that stock that was going, you know, free me of everything. But now when I put money into the market, I don't have a car payment or a truck payment anymore. So now I use that same fund and I put it into the markets as if I still had those payments. Right. And when that market fluctuates, it doesn't bother me because I don't have that payment to make anymore. It's not like I put five hundred dollars in the market, but my truck payment is four ninety. And if it don't work out, I'm going to be in a bad situation. Now it's like, hey, I put, you know, a thousand dollars in the market. The market dipped on me. I still, you know, I lost six hundred dollars in two days, but it's OK. It'll come back because it doesn't bother me anymore because I don't need that money to pay debt off or to do other things because if I put it there, it's already allocated to the market. So my investments is already allocated. I have money coming in where I say, hey, I'm going to invest this much per month. And that's where it becomes fun then. If it goes up and goes down, we know it's going to go up and go down. I'm not emotionally involved anymore. Now I'm strategic about it. Now I'm really enjoying the benefits of investing because I'm not emotionally attached to it because I'm not expecting it to bail me out of my bad situation that I put myself in. Okay. And you give a different perspective. So I'm going to ask this. What do you say to someone then who is hesitant to even learn the market because of their financial status? Maybe because they don't have in their terms enough money, which to me is I, I laugh at. No, honestly, I laugh at that because if you have a couple hundred dollars each pay period, instead of go blow that, I'm like, I'd rather take the chance to invest. So you have yes. these people who don't even, you know, when they say that's all relative, right? Enough. So what's enough? You know, so what do you say to those people who are just hesitant, learning the market or even want to try to? Uh, don't be afraid of it. Uh, whatever you like to do, whether it be sports, whether it be shopping, take that same approach to learning the market. When I first got out of my situation, out of my hole and I started actually enjoying financial freedom, 
I didn't invest for about two months. I was just studying on how to invest because even though I was in a situation to where I could afford a loss per se, I don't want to take losses. The game ain't to give the money away. So I just watch. I listen. I learn and invest in the educational portion of it. But also, no, $100 can turn into a thousand to ten thousand to twenty. Like it doesn't. It's not a set number on what to invest. There, there's nobody who comes in the game, and there's no. You got to have twenty thousand to be able. No, come in with what you come in with. But I would definitely tell you to make sure that you're investing in the education behind it. If someone's telling you to, hey, invest in this, invest in this is about to blow up. They're probably just trying to get you to join the train of them losing. <laughs> um, some people, <laughs> and some people have ulterior motives to where. So, you know, misery loves company, right? Do your own research, but don't be scared to invest. And we have to break that stigma of it. And I was even talking to my wife and, and you know, she sits in here with me all day and hear me. You know, I do babble a lot, but her mindset and the way I was taught also that if you invest in stocks, you have no access to your money. Your money's locked up for all these years. And I'm like, whoa, we have to break that mold of it. If I put $200 in the market and I put it into a stock where it goes up or down, I can pull it out if I needed that money. And even with the E-Trade that you you know, you know, told me about, it has a debit card. It has a bill pay system. Like there, It's definitely set up, but we have to seek the education. And we really have to make the financial literacy, the investments, the stocks, the debt free. We have to make that conversation as normal as we make the conversation about who's the GOAT of basketball. Like we talk about Michael Jordan and LeBron and Kobe, who's the GOAT. I've had situations where I didn't even want to be friends with some of my friends anymore because of the situation. It got so heated. But when it's time to talk about, hey, man, maybe we should look at putting a thousand dollars into the market instead of buying these, you know, Christian Louboutins or whatever. Oh, man, nobody want to hear all that. I don't have time for that. So that's where we have to normalize that conversation. If we can get excited and and we get defensive, man, LeBron, this Jordan, that. If we had that same energy toward learning the market, man, we'll all be all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I didn't got to the point in my life that and 99% of the conversation is not going to add value and growth. I'm not even having it. Like, you can you can send that to me in text. I'm going to leave you on read because I, <laughs> I, I don't ain't have time like, to talk about it. No, nah, it's not because, you know, time is the only thing we can't get back. And why I'm about to argue about who the greatest <laughs> When, let me tell you something. LeBron bank account and Michael Jordan bank account does not matter upon us arguing and who who we think gonna win this argument. So it's like I'm not about to entertain none of those conversations. Like so now it's like, man, we're not talking about uplifting, educating, you know, or inspiring. It's like I'm not I'm not with it. <laughs> yeah, because it, it doesn't matter. And I even said that when I uh, made my little live on Sunday on my page that I'm trying to get going is there's a time and place for that. Right. And it's okay to decompress. I want to decompress from investing, learning money, uh, educating, getting better. Sometimes I do want to just shut that side off and maybe watch a Netflix for two hours or talk about some foolishness, but it has to be that balance and it should be a, a 90, 10 balance and not a, not the opposite way. I shouldn't be 90% sports and Netflix and what's going on on TV and 10% of what's going to actually make me better and enhance the lives of our generations. No, I should be 90% locked in on how can I enhance the lives of my generation, enhance my own life and my community and bring everybody along with me. Now that 10% that we have to the side to talk about basketball, football, Netflix and everything in world events, let's have a good time. Cause once I shut that switch back off, I'm going back into what matters. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I know we've been on for a while, so I got a few more questions and I don't want to take too much time with you. 
you know, the, you and the lady. What is <laughs> one lesson? If you can, you can, it's a two part question. First question is what, what is one lesson as far as investing in the OTC that you've learned that you can share with everyone who's going to listen to this? And then the other question is what would the current Graham now tell the 18 year old Graham back then? Ooh, okay. So the first one, the current lesson when it comes to OTC, I would definitely say this aligns along this, this aligns with what we talked about before with I don't have enough money to start investing. Majority of your OTCs are a tenths or a hundredths of a penny. If you do your due diligence and enough and you understand what's going on and what you're investing in, that hundred dollars has a true potential of turning into a thousand or more because of the price that you're buying in at with the OTC market. With the blue chip market, you know, a hundred bucks ain't going to buy you an Apple share. And you don't have that same opportunity of your dollar to increase. Not saying that it's not effective or it won't work, but it's just so much cost effective. And, and the dollar goes so much further in the OTC market because of the price of the shares when you buy in and the potential that it has. Because you figure if you buy something for, let's just say, 10 cents and you pay $100 into that 10 cents and that one stock that you just believed in eight months later turns into a dollar. Oh my, you're good. That hundred dollars went crazy. But if you're paying a hundred dollars for a share that costs 20, now you're only getting, you know, four shares, five shares of it. Even if that share go from 20 to $50, you're not going to have that same return. So especially if you're definitely uh, not in the financial situation to where you have a lot of money per se to invest, or you're just scared, the OTC market is perfect because 50s and hundreds literally turns into thousands and ten thousands in the OTC market because the price that you can purchase to share at. Absolutely. Uh, for the the other question, what would I tell the 18 year old Graham is the balance portion. And I've always been a self starter and I never really I never liked asking for help. I always try to figure it out myself. I would tell my 18 year old self is to use that same energy that you use for everything else, trying to, you know, funny story when I started playing basketball when I came in the military I couldn't shoot but I worked hard to go hit a jump shot now what is that really going to benefit me in like nothing but I could shoot now but I would use that same energy and that same effort that I put into everything else that didn't really matter into learning what matters uh 18 I wish I would have just even if I didn't necessarily say start investing to 21 I would have put the effort into learning what's important instead of asking I let someone turn me off from telling me if you're not investing in X, Y, and Z, you're dumb. I let that turn me away to where I should have used that and did my own, uh, my own education, my own knowledge, because that is something that's very important, very important. And I definitely would say I only let someone talk me out of stocks. I wouldn't let no one talk me out of basketball. I wouldn't let nobody talk me out of fashion. I wouldn't let nobody talk me out of taking vacations. If they told me blah, 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 I would go figure it out myself, but I didn't use that same energy into learning the market. Can't say it no better. So at this point, you know, you spoke about him a little on the way and, and congrats to that. What is your why? What is my why? Uh, my why right now is just far as life is to educate the culture one. I, I get so discouraged seeing our people who have wealth or they have money and they're not building on it. So that would be my why far as in a business mindset is I want to people, I want to make it cool to talk about financial literacy. I want to make it cool that we all sit at the table and you own some gas stations, you own 
some businesses and we can talk about it. You know, my biggest my biggest vision that I have, I would say I'm not a visionary, but I have a big vision is I want to be able to really have that black Wall Street kind of mentality or that mindset of where, you know, when I go to buy a house, I'm calling one of your sons or when I need a house built, I'm calling one of our other homie sons or when we go to a gym, it's our family gym. Like I really can see that vision and it's not to exclude any other race or my or or, or relig- anything of that nature. It's just let's own something. Let's own something. Let's let's do something. We we spend so much money as a culture in fashion and clothes and everything. And that's fine. OK, we're going to stick with the fashion because we are fly. That's just our culture, the rap culture, the hip hop culture. But let's own the Neiman Marcus. Let, let, let's buy these high dollar items from our own people instead of going to Saxon Fifth. Let's have Grand and Fifth, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then the other one is definitely for my next generation, you know, I, I have a, I have a daughter on the way and my biggest fear is for her to retire or not retire at 18, but her to get out of school at 18 and, and beg for a job that's going to pay less than her worth because I didn't set her up for success. And I do think I want to show her and show anybody around who follows me that, yes, my daughter will not have to get it out the mud as we always make that's the best thing ever that we struggled our entire life. No, my daughter don't have to get it out the mud, but she will know the values of hard work, discipline and morals. But she also will have something to lean on. If I don't do anything right, she at least is. At, at a minimum is going to have the home that we live in right now. So if I don't do anything right and she don't do anything right, at, at a minimum, she's going to have a, a house that's worth something at that time frame. And I think that's the biggest thing is basically after me. I don't want her to go through the growing pains I went through. If she wants to go to college and she's interested in college, that's fine. We're going to have that money set aside because we know that student loans is like the second reason why the black community can't build wealth besides being a consumer and student loans and either marrying the wrong person. That's, that's, that's the normally the three reasons why the community can't build wealth. And that's, that's my why. It's definitely, it's going to be definitely her at this point. But and being that, that person that I wasn't getting before, I don't want to be that old guy who doesn't give the information back. And that right there, knowing your why is going to be the, it's going to be the motivation when you're tired, right? You're frustrated. You know, you feel at times, hey, doubt might set, uh, set, uh, set in, especially when you, you know, your business might be slower than usual during certain months or investment or a stock might not give you the necessary return. That knowing the fact that you able to identify your why, right? It's going to be the yes. motivation behind like, hey, I fail. I'm getting back up versus I fail. Now I'm looking at the sky and, and twiddling my thumbs or admiring <laughs> the clouds. It's like, now nah, I'm about to get back up, dust myself off and keep moving. And, and, that, and that's big. And that's why I asked that question, because some people don't know they why. And that's why they get inconsistent results. That's why yes. it's easy for them to make excuses. Right. And when our excuses are louder are louder than our results. We have no one to blame but ourselves. I, yes. <laughs> go ahead. I, I read something the other day where it was just saying, and this was for me too, because I, I'm like the funny part of like the business, right? Hustle smarter, right? I'm that guy who can give you all the coaching, the life advice, the business advice, the financial advice. I can give you all that advice and make you feel like you already made it because that's what I just it's, I would say it's my purpose. But here I am and I was starting my own business. I've been thinking about this business for like a year and a half. And I had, you know, Chris, the other part, the other half of Hustle Smarter. He was like, Graham, you talk to us all day about it, but you won't put it out to the world. And I think I had a fear of rejection. Right. And what what I realized is 
I read something and it was saying we will try 10 different jobs. If somebody don't take our application, we'll try again. We'll try again. We'll try again. But once our business fails, we're ready to give up on ourselves. And when I read that, I'm like, that's so true. And, and I had to program my mind that much as much as I would want everyone to make the financial literacy, the budgeting, the common topics, and everybody's not going to adapt to it. Right. Everybody's not going to like it. Some people, what I've noticed is they're going to probably think that I'm already in a financial situation to where I can say these things. And, and I like that, too, because I do have the story of, hey, I'm just like you, bro. I just made more, but I spent more, too. It doesn't make a difference. If you make five hundred dollars and you burn it, or if you make five thousand or five hundred thousand, if you don't know how to manage it, you don't know how to manage it. And that's where we would always dig deep. And I would explain my story because I'm fully transparent. I'm not ashamed of what I'm going to probably do before the next week is I'm going to find those those bank statements right from from 2014 and pull them out to show people. Because I like showing you like, look, I ain't just talking, bro. This is what was going on here in my life at this time is why I feel that I have the, the classification to speak on these things. But, yeah. Definitely. We definitely give up so quick. So now my why is I won't stop. I won't stop because now I have a little girl that's going to be born in October who's going to depend on me. And if she grows up and get and I raise her for 18 years and she's not prepared for the world, that is a I failed. I failed. I mean, we, we, we play sports. We did a lot of things. But failing as a parent for me. We ain't gonna know it all. I've never been a parent. I'm not gonna know it all. Yeah, it's gonna be some things I miss and everything of that. But if I can give her the time by using the stocks and the investments, if I can give her the time to be with her, if I can have the uh, financial backing to do the things that we'd like to do and have fun, and then if I can just have her set up to a point to where, hey, babe, hey, baby, this is your business. You are now the owner, but this is how you run the business. This is what it takes. If I can do all that, everything else will fall into place. And I, I believe that's so important. So important. Okay. Hey, that, isn't that nothing to be said? <laughs> now, um, so I got one more question. And normally we have the part where I, I ask for a ticker of the day. So I'm going to give you some time to think about it. It can be any ticker that comes to mind, ticker that you play, that you will play, or that you, you've been watching. But before you do that, let me just go ahead and, and just express my gratitude to you. You know, from what I know, even, you know, we have mutual friends. I've, I've reached out and talked to them. Even some of your work you've done in, in the community, you made it a, a huge impact. You know, you're serving our nation. You're doing extra things. But also what needs to be ad admired and, and applauded is your transformation. I remember, yes. you know, one of our, <laughs> I remember, honestly, seriously, I remember one of our conversations years ago, you know, we talked about credit. We talked about finances and there is an age gap between us, but your ability to to listen, right? It, I mean, some people, when, especially the youth, they look at people who might be five, six, seven years older than them, like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. That's, you know, and then when you get in your thirties, that person's old, but <laughs> <laughs> you took a grasp for that, which in a way inspired me to keep sharing that information. Cause had you just been closed off about it, I'd have been like, well, shoot, ain't no point in talking to these hard headed, you know, I ain't gonna say kids, but hard headed yeah. adults trying to figure it out. But by you being more open-minded and then taking the action. Cause I remember after sharing that two or three, three years later, you like, boom, I'm, my credit is this, I'm this, you know what I'm saying? And it was like, yeah, bro, everything I said, I, Hey, I threw it out there and you, you slam dunked it. So <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that because it inspired me to keep sharing that information. Cause you never know who, who's listening, who's going to be the next person. And also now you're sharing that information. Now, we're, we're creating a longer, you know, we're extending our arms and touching more and more people. 
And, and that's amazing. So keep up the good work. I look forward to many more of your live sessions. I'm still waiting on, like I told you when you were talking about the, the whole YouTube and the interviews, I said, just do it. Like, don't just worry. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about coming off perfect, man. Just do it. <laughs> hey, I, if you need me to be a guest for one of them, I'll gladly come on there man. and we can do it, but just the keep first being guest. you. <laughs> The first, and I and I definitely while we're here, I want to give you your flowers too, because I know that us and I know me sometimes just from even being you know a supervisory role, we sometimes give up on people too quick. Uh, but you you didn't give up on me, and when I felt like when I contacted you, it was years. Like you said, we we had small talk in between that time, but it was years before I finally reached back out. Hey, I'm ready now, man, and. You never, you never shut the door on, on giving me the information. You know, you, you basically turned into the fire hydrant. Now that you're ready, you know, here's the fire hydrant. Here's everything that you missed, but you really didn't miss much, but you, now you need to execute. And I think that's imperative that I was able to reach back out. You know, I, I do believe that in a sense, I, I, I won't say I didn't, I don't have any pride, but I put the pride to the side because I knew that when we first talked, I'll never forget. I don't know if you remember when we was talking about it, you were saying, I was telling you that, Hey, I was listening to people who talked about stocks, but. They were buying. It wasn't meme stocks then, but they were just whatever what was hot in the community then to where I was buying high and losing all my money with them. And it wasn't. I like you, and you kind of gave me like, "Hey, bro, I'll, I'm here to help. I ain't, I don't have no reason to see you fall off." And I just knew that I wasn't ready. And then you were receptive, and, and <laughs> I remember you told me this. I don't know if you remember, but I was like, "Hey, man, I'm good now. You know, I know I looked good at that time, but I was just flashy broke." And you were like, "Yep, that'll always take you out." And I was like, <laughs> "Hi, bro. You know." <laughs> But you still kept the door open. And I think that's the most important part. And we're talking years. We're not talking a couple months. We're talking 2018, 2021 before I finally came back to you and said, hey, I am actually ready now to listen to everything you were trying to pour into me. I just wasn't ready at that time because I was looking at it the wrong way. And so I appreciate you, man. You, you, your family, the, the every everybody that you're around, your whole circle keeps me to that point of where I know that I can still do more. And like you said, when we talked that day, just do it. Even with the Hustle Smarter, we brought out some apparel, trying things out. And like you said, it's not going to be perfect coming out, that, but it has to come out to be, to be perfected. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. And so we got one more question. A lot of, I do got one more. How, how come no matter how, how older you get, your hairline still say, so young and perfect. Um, <laughs> man, I, I would say, uh, I would say, you know, the jeans, man, you know, Papa Frank from Jersey, I, from what they tell me, he got some Puerto Rican in him. I don't know. Nah. <laughs> I know my grandpa, my other grandpa, my, my dad's side, he had Afro when, you know, he passed away. So I would definitely say that it's just the genetics, man. But, you know, with, the information that you've given out and my financial literacy, if it was to go bad, I'm going to go pay to get it right. <laughs> nah. <laughs> but give it, go ahead and uh, give us a ticker you like. Explain. You're not trying to convince people to buy it. So there's not that yes. pressure of like, hey, I'm trying to get somebody to buy this. But just give us a ticker you like. Explain why you like it and what was appealing to you to it. Okay. All right. So I'm a- one, I'm going to piggyback with everybody. I'm not a financial advisor. This is not a financial advice. But <laughs> one of the tickers that I would go with is the Wogi, uh, W-O-G-I. And I would say I would go with that one for a couple of reasons. So obviously it was mentioned a couple of times through numerous chats. But while I was actually learning the process of the market, the volume, the stock, 
the catalysts, the shares. When I was learning that, it all made sense to why this stock made so much sense and why it was going to be able to blow. So that's what I'm looking at now because the volume is low, which means there's not a lot of shares out there to be bought. So when it does pop, it's going to be definitely, definitely big. But I was actually able to do the due diligence the right way instead of saying, he said, Woji, let me just throw money into it. I actually did the research on it and I actually learned about it. Okay. Yeah, Wogi Wogi uh is a is high on my list. It's one that psh, I don't I mean it's move knowing that it was in the trips and I think it's around settling around five cent, but it's so much that potential in that 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 might be one where a year from now it's it's taken on a life of its own. Now I do expect it, you know, they they finally did their name change and got that completed. So I expect things to start slowly rolling out. But if they execute on half of the stuff they they uh that's rumored, oh man. Cause I remember when BNGO was at eleven cent and people were hesitant and then it ran to eleven dollars. Now I'm not saying yeah. Wokey gonna run to eleven dollars. I just think if they execute on half of the rumors, it can take on a life of its own, especially with the share structure, the volume. And it being like a low flow, it's like, it's like time will tell. I tell you this, if it do move like uh, I'm hoping it move and feel like it's going to move, if anybody in my circle don't have any, I'm going to have to reevaluate my friendships and relationships with any of them. Cause I, <laughs> <laughs> You've been talking about it for a long time. And, and you, like I said, when you said the share structure and everything, the float, I was learning that at the same time while you were talking about it. So I started really digging into it because I was like, oh, I'm going to use this one as the example. Like, oh, OK, I see why he liked that about this. <laughs> so definitely um, one. Uh, it's on my list, too. So I have, I have no, was it quarrels or qualms about uh, you providing that one? But yeah. So this concludes today's episode. As always, if you can, please rate, write a review if the platform you're listening to allows you to do so. If you have any questions, topic requests, or would like to be a guest, please email me at pennystockwhisper at gmail.com. Other than that, have a good day and see you later. This concludes another episode of the Hustle Lounge podcast. We'll catch you next time.